1: Welcome to episode thirty-seven of the first exchange with me, your host Lydia Didal. Well, we've another fantastic episode lined up for you guys. We are getting back into the swing of being back post lockdown, and glad that you've all decided to stick with us, um, and that you're as excited as we are um, to be back recording our favorite episodes and um, on today's show I was joined by an incredible lady by the name of Annie Lavin who goes by the pseudonym or the online profile of the relationship coach um, she was in to talk about relationships dating, giving us a little bit of a rundown of how she got into this incredible profession. And also we ended the the podcast with uh, audience uh, listener questions, um, which is something that we've started to do um, on our episodes, but we kind of extended it a little bit because there was actually so many questions that I got today on our social media with people looking for advice and had really, really interesting questions that she was able to help with. So it was really great um, to get her to give a window, educate us, give us some information. I also got a personal session, I feel, as well. So who is the relationship coach? Well, she works nationally and internationally to create and maintain healthy, meaningful relationships, working one-on-one with people that maybe are single, married, in relationships, just after getting out of relationships, dealing with heartbreak, a whole range of different people. So she brought us on a journey of, of who she is, what she does and uh, who, she, who she can help. Um, and it was really, really fascinating. Um, she's also a former psychology lecturer as well. So um, she's got an incredible background. Uh, before I let you enjoy the 37th episode of The First Exchange, can I just please give a quick shout out to our Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash the first exchange. Every week we get messages on our social media asking, How can we support the podcast? Please don't ever end the podcast, you know, more, more, more episodes. And in order for us to grow and to continue doing what we love, we really need your support. So if you have a spare couple of euro per month, please head along to patreon.com forward slash the first exchange and throw us a couple euro. Um, If you would see me in a pub and you'd buy me a pint of Guinness, well, i'm not in a pub because we're still kind of in lockdown so please just give us a couple quid on our patreon and help us continue to grow um but thank you very much and as always please don't stop sharing the message the podcast send it to your friends send it to your family members um and let's grow this this goddamn thing so without further ado i will let you all enjoy the 37th episode of the first exchange with annie lavin aka the relationship coach Annie, thank you very much for coming in.
0: You're so welcome.
1: I'm so excited about this episode. I selfishly got you on because this is an area <laughs> that I am so interested in. <laughs> so obviously we, we spoke yesterday. You were the first guest that's ever said, can I give you a call before I come on? And I loved it. We had such a good chat. So I was like, when I hung up, I was like, I can't wait for Annie to come in. Oh, it was great. brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, obviously we put up this morning on our social that you were coming in. And um, we're going to do a segment where we ask our listeners to have put in some questions. So we're going to call out their questions later on anonymously and get your professional opinion or your your expertise on what they've asked. Um, But before we get started, tell
0: us how you got into this incredible profession. Oh, oh gosh. Well, it's, um, let me see. It was a series of personal failed relationships myself and realizing there was so much... Uh, pain and suffering that came with this you know mm. and then the messages that I was telling myself about what it meant to be single that was mm-hmm. almost like you know the second arrow as they say in, in Buddhism or meditation you know you have the first arrow is that maybe you know you're not uh, relationships or intimate relationships aren't working out for you and then mm-hmm. the second arrow you throw is the one that you you know kind of story make about why that might be
1: Wow, mm. that's very interesting. So for someone that's hearing you say that and they don't really understand, can you break that down to sort of layman's terms of what that might mean, the, the Buddhist
0: uh, terminology there? Absolutely. It's like we have an experience and then we also have um, the meaning that we attribute to the experience. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, the meaning that I was attributing to the fact that I was failing in relationships was that there was something wrong with me.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, which is like, I mean, that's probably the number one, right? I think of when, um, you know, when there's any issues in a relationship, whether it be a breakup or someone has cheated or it always comes back to the person and them thinking that it it was them, you know, especially maybe for women. I only my own experience as being a woman in relationships um, and always after someone had cheated or something had gone wrong, always pointed the finger at myself. It must have been something that I had done.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how we have this uh, capacity to just turn the spotlight on ourselves rather Mm. than to look at environmental factors or to look at maybe the beliefs that we were holding about love. And of course, that's probably even too great an expectation, you know, when you're figuring things out, when you're young, when you're kind of exploring and experimenting in relationships. Mm. But uh, as time progressed... Um, I think I always had an innate kind of uh, interest in trying to understand myself more and understand relationships more because of this kind of flaw that i th- thought thought I had, mm. so yeah, I would have always been very introspective and reflective, and I would have sought a lot of support to help myself. Mm. But things that I would have found um, unhelpful was when I was seeking the support, it was really difficult to find tailored support, mm. you know, for singles, for people who might be in relationships and struggling, um, apart from your your um, your traditional marriage relationship counsellor, which never felt like the right fit for me when mm-hmm. I was in and out of um, relationships. So... I I, I had to do a lot of searching and a lot of Mm -hmm. discovering and I just felt um it was almost a curiosity it was like i wonder are there other people going through this when i when i felt that i was coming out you know the far side of it when i yeah. felt that i had learned and i was um you know thinking differently speaking differently to myself feeling differently um you know could could what i learned be of service to other people mm. Mm.
1: very interesting um point there and something that i always ask on the podcast uh to the range of guests that we have from all different backgrounds and and you know, educations and career paths is about that life purpose. And, you know, uh, do you feel that what you're doing now is is your purpose? And 90% of the time, they've all said something along the lines of having a service and a, a want or a need to give back mm-hmm. It as a direct response, I suppose, to them either being given that opportunity by other people mm-hmm. or... Um, not having something maybe in their lives that they were missing. And now they're looking at their experiences and their service and saying, I actually can be of service to other people. And mm-hmm. we had a um, a therapist on in one of the early episodes, uh, Dr. Rina Gullarian, she described that service or need to have service as the key to happiness as a human, mm. which was very interesting,
0: I felt. Brilliant. So that's interesting that you've 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 touched mm. on that as well. To be of service, yeah. To feel as though we're in this together. To feel yes. as though there's like a community effort around uh, what one person experiences is never really isolated to one person because. Yes. It's part of the human condition, isn't it, mm-hmm. to, you know, to try something out for size and for it to work or not work or for it to be almost the thing that kind of breaks you open to discover more about yourself or mm-hmm. relationships. So, um, yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, my work is, is it gives me so much meaning, so mm. much purpose. Yeah, it really does.
1: So in terms of, I suppose, the educational side of it mm-hmm. um, and how you actually you, you get to have the title relationship coach what what did you have to do what kind of areas did you have to specialize in or you know h- how did it all kind of amalgamate to you then being able to be mm.
0: um, of service shall we say <laughs> <laughs> it was a long winding road just like most experiences that I've had um, yeah I was teaching for a long time and uh, there was some aspects of that that were fulfilling, but um, I I still felt there was a massive gap in terms of how was I. Yes, the helping piece was there, and the the sense of being able to support others or mentor mm. others, but that um, need to kind of uh, work in more of a one-to-one capacity was really strong in me. So, yeah, yeah from that, I had done the the teaching qualification. Um, then I decided I wanted to move more into the direction of psychology. So I I, I went away to um, Glasgow and studied um, a master's in, in, in psychological studies. It was wow. like, a, yeah, Very yeah. Cool. So that was a really good foundation to get a sense of um yeah, how, how that worked. And then my intention was to go on and, and do a doctorate in clinical psychology and there was um there was a I mean, anyone who studied that and who's gone down that road will understand the long journey that mm-hmm. it is and you almost have to work as an apprentice for a number of time as an assistant psychologist mm-hmm. to figure out or to even get on to a program. So it's a really, really long, um, really long, long road. But um I got on that journey. And my intention was to uh, do the doctorate. So I went and I and, and did the um, uh, the assistant psychology post with the HSE in the northwest of Ireland. And I did that for about 18 months. And I realized actually I wasn't so keen on, on working with a clinical population. It was more my interest was still in the area of intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure how I would how I would um, still end up working in that space if yeah. I was to continue the the road or the journey that I was on, but it was really difficult because there was very few ro- role models in Ireland doing doing yeah. what I wanted to do. Well, this was like,
1: oh, I was mm. my next question to you was, you know, um, certainly when you um, make the decision to go and, and kind of carve your own path or your own career, mm. especially in a niche area at that time that I imagine was in in, in relationships. Um, did you have any kind of apprehension of? am I doing all this work and I'm aiming to have this particular career And what if nobody comes? Mm. What if what if there's nobody at the door when I set up shop? You know, did you have those kind of worries? Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I
0: did. And I made numerous phone calls um, to people who were working in the area of relationships, you know, uh, like relationship counsellors. I spoke Mm. to lots of people in the field and a lot of them would have told me not to, you know, do not pursue a full time career in this profession. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did they give you a good reason why they thought that?
0: They didn't feel it was a career that you could um, sustain full time. So it wasn't right. that they were, you know, discouraging me from, from going down this path. It was more a case of try not to put all of your eggs into this basket. Yes. Mm. Are <laughs> so you... I ignored it all.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that because I'm like uh, the eggs in the basket. I've heard that many times and I've, I've been like, it'll be fine don't worry. But oh. I'm still kind of on that edge of. <laughs> maybe I should not have used all the eggs in that (laughs) basket, you know. But uh, that's good to hear that you stuck to your guns and believed
0: in yourself. And Mm. And it it, it wasn't easy. It was like, it was kind of like I had to take one step in front of the other and also be kind of practical about it. So I held, I was lecturing at the time. um, And I did that part time whilst I was, Further pursuing studies, I, I I did a diploma in in coaching. I did um, another course in singles coaching in the states because, of course, there's you know very little like that here. Yeah. Um. Then I did a, a diploma in marriage and relationship counselling. So I I kind of was gradually doing all of this study alongside mm-hmm. working because. With education, it gave me such a golden ticket in the sense that I could have that flexibility with free time and holidays and so on. So I was lucky. But um, yeah, that's how I made the progression from teaching education. But I kind of blended it all together because now what I do in my role is very much it's one-to-one it's therapeutic work but mm. I'm also building online courses so again it's kind of back into that it's like relationship education rather yeah. than the subjects that I had been had been teaching that weren't giving me that sense yeah. of excitement or joy whereas this does so it feels so much different
1: who who are the people that are coming to you can hmm. you give a, a sweeping uh, stereotype of them
0: well I mean there are people, were, we are all so different. But if I'm to think of the one common denominator across everyone I see, it's that There is a vision of creating or maintaining a healthy, intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. There is this desire to, to, you know, kind of um, either enhance relationship skills, maybe choose wiser uh, when dating Mm -hmm. um, in relationship, maybe improve an aspect of it. So it could be I want to enhance or improve communication skills, boundary setting, being assertive. Mm -hmm. Or it could just be that I do not know myself and I do not feel that I have a good relationship with myself. So how do I go Mm -hmm. about that? And generally, that will be a foundational piece with, you know, across whether somebody's in a relationship or or not, you know. It's so funny, isn't it? Because
1: those sort of like bullet points that you just kind of ticked off there, you know, I wonder how many people ask themselves those questions or Mm. put themselves in the situation to be able to answer, you know, to tick off those boxes, I suppose, or even the general one of who am I? what do I want that's from it. a relationship with a partner or with people that are in your life in general? Mm. You know, I think that's something that it, it's only as you kind of go on a journey of discovery, maybe with yourself, mm-hmm. um, you start to ask yourself those questions like, like who, what, what actually do I want? It's like, do I even want this? You know, and I know we spoke yesterday on the phone about, and I was telling you about that I was single and I've been single for five years and there's not any pressure on me to meet anyone from, we'll say, friends or fr- some friends are like, you know, I think this person would be fab for you. I'd love, you know, they just want me to be happy and to to um, they think that being in a relationship will will make that happen, you know, or make me more happy. But I oh, I, I was like, yeah, maybe. And then one day I just said, do I even want that? Mm. You know, and it was so long. It, it, I don't think I'd ever sat and thought like. Is this something that you'd wanted? And from my teens, I was just in a rotating door Mm. of relationships. Now, there was three or four long-term relationships. (laughs) There wasn't (laughs) hundreds of (laughs) men. But, uh, you know, and I just got into relationships. As one ended, you'd naturally just progress into another Mm. one. And I never spent that time in my youth asking myself, Mm. do you even want to be in a relationship? Should you not find out who you are before you try and you know, form a, a connection or a bond with someone else. Mm. Heal yourself first. See how you get on with that. Yeah. It's going to take a while, Lydia. And then maybe get into another relationship, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it varies for everyone, doesn't it? Everyone's journey is so different. So in different. terms different. Like, you know, getting to know yourself, discovering who you are. I mean, for some people, perhaps that can happen for them in relationship with other people. But um, for others, they need to do that work alone. Yeah. Mm. And I can see why being in a relationship can sometimes really take away from being able to do do that real self-discovery stuff. Um, Because sometimes we can be even just distracted by the general everyday things that we would do with a partner. Absolutely.
1: Mm. Absolutely. And an area that I'm always interested in is, you know, I, I, you'd have the better idea of the, the tech, technical terms than I would, but the, the codependency oh, yeah. that exists within relationships and the kind of formation of one human as opposed to two people who are on a journey together and helping each other grow and expand. Mm. And, you know, sometimes without even noticing it, people can enter into like a toxic mm. headspace within their relationships and, you know, how to recognize that and how to pull back from that when it's in it so there's so much that goes into it and when you say you know that when you started out it was kind of it was a niche minority when Mm -hmm. you actually break it down we should probably all
0: be going to people like you you know what i mean yeah or or at, at the minimum you would wouldn't it be the ideal if we had some relationship education in schools you know absolutely as a as a life skill yes s- subject you yes. would think you know um there's so much in relationships and if we've grown up i mean The biggest educator can be our our homes. You know, where have we grown up? I was just about to say how many of us learn relationships through our parents, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, our parents, our caregivers, whomever we would have seen growing up, they can be our greatest teachers in love. And let's say they didn't have the best uh, relationship educators in their life. Then there's this kind of legacy that's passed on. And Mm -hmm. this codependent thing that you speak of, I think we're all a little bit codependent. You know, it can be something that's on a spectrum, but... Mm -hmm. When it comes to relationships, when we move into that space of like feeling the feelings of another person and thinking that you're responsible for how they feel. I think that's when it's, you know, it moves from being, okay. I'm a little bit codependent to now this is a toxic relationship where Mm -hmm. I don't know what I feel. Um, what I feel is mixed up with what my partner feels and who even am I? So then we're back to that question again where we can get lost in Mm -hmm. relationships. Mm
1: -hmm. How much does our environment from children affect our relationships as
0: as adults? Mm. I think it's hugely important. Mm -hmm. Hugely important, yeah. I mean, whenever I work with clients... We 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 take stock of where you've come from Mm. to get a sense of, um, like I said, I suppose the role modeling that we picked up and the teachings that we learned about love, about relationships Mm. in our households, even, you know, the subconscious messages that we would have received about what it was to be in relationship, to be in partnership and whether it was encouraged, discouraged Mm. or, you know, what, what did we learn? yeah it's such an it's such an interesting question when we think about it yeah you know? yeah mm. i
1: like i mean i part of my um my own journey of self discovery is not to lay blame on anybody else yeah. <laughs> to take responsibility for my own actions and all works of life, but there is definitely some things in you know traits that I have picked up from my parents and their relationship with mm-hmm. each other and how they interacted with each other, and you know just the the mechanics and the dynamics and different mm. things that so I definitely um, have brought into my past relationships in terms of how I responded to partners, mm-hmm. how I saw them in my life. So it was just mm-hmm. such a learning experience when you realise, oh, God, I'm, you know, I've turned into my dad or oh, I've turned into my mother. You know, um, the good and the bad. You yeah. know, both of us. But how difficult is it to reprogram our brains when it's something like a subconscious relationship pattern or, you know, the desire or needs or wants that you need or that you require from a partner. Mm-hmm. How difficult is that to to change mm-hmm. the subconscious, I suppose, and re- reprogram, rewire yourself into having a more healthy, functional mm-hmm. relationship with not only yourself, but with other people?
0: Mm. The first step is always awareness. You know, mm-hmm. am I aware of, of it? Um, and like you said, uh, Lydia, it's not about blaming it's just about can i take ownership for what i have experienced you know Mm -hmm. and can i also have compassion you know for for my experience or maybe my losses in it yeah but equally that i can recognize there was probably losses from you know for my parents or caregivers too Mm -hmm. in that they wouldn't have maybe known any different because I think most of us, we're, we're doing our best. We're trying to yes. do our best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think as little children, we're like little sponges, you know, so mm-hmm. we, absor- we ob- absorb so much unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So bringing awareness to what we have absorbed, I think, is the first step. After that, we then need to look at how that relates to our everyday experience in dating and relationships, if mm. this is a specific area that you're interested in looking at. So once we understand, okay, perhaps in my upbringing, my childhood, what was role model to me was was on-off love, mm. you know, or conditional love. Yeah. So if I behave, for example, as a good girl, mm. in inverted commas, you yeah. know, <laughs> Um, How does that then impact me in dating or in relationships? Or equally, if I grew up in a household where um, I was rewarded for standing up for myself, for having a voice, for Mm. um, maybe maybe avoiding situations, how is that showing up in my dating relationship life?
1: Mm. There's so much and Mm. people don't realise how much it actually affects them in their day-to-day Absolutely. life, right? Yeah. It's fascinating that yeah. there's, it's, I, I imagine it's a minefield in terms of your, you, you know, dealing with clients and who comes through your door. Yeah. There's probably
0: so much involved in it. There is so much, but then I, I, I also don't like people to think it's too complicated because... The reality is we all have a past, we all Mm -hmm. have a history. And if we could just own it and allow that to be something that we can take responsibility for, um, I don't know, take it as part of our journey. This is Mm -hmm. this is like part of my journey that I've been kind of dealt these cards and this has been my experience. This has been my unconscious, maybe programming or this is what I have acquired Mm. to this point how would i like things to be different
1: yeah
0: and then we put a plan in place for how we can work towards that you know things being different mm. so in terms of then unlearning or yeah unlearning what we've what we have maybe unconsciously learned it's about um looking at us today and what do we truly believe about love and relationships mm. because sometimes we are acting out of our past rather yes. than acting out of what our you know, beliefs are today.
1: Yes, very, Mm. very good point. That's so interesting. Mm, That's so interesting. Mm. What, um, how much does expectation ruin or (laughs) affect relationships in terms of the expectation of what a relationship they've hoped it to be? Or maybe we'll say marriage, I imagine, is probably a big one, especially with people who are, you know, in their 20s or their 30s and you've spent a massive amount of time thinking about the day that you get engaged and there's a proposal and a big wedding with family. Mm. And then my experience with friends that have been married is there's a little bit of an anticlimax in terms of there's so much excitement surrounding engagement, the prepping Mm. the wedding and the wedding happens. And then there's a bit of an anticlimax. And then, you know, as we see the relationship or the marriage progressing. Is there ever an expectation or a demand that people feel that they should be having or need to be having, but when their actual real life doesn't live up to that, Mm. it creates almost like a conflict in their mind. Mm. Would you see that commonly enough?
0: Where there is an expectation that things will be different and then they're not and there's huge disappointment or there's a big gap between reality and expectation. Exactly, Mm. yeah. Yeah, I think... (laughs) An important thing is to ask yourself, why are you getting married? Why are you in relationship? Mm. Why are you with this partner? Why are you proposing to yeah. this partner? Like, what is your, what is the goal? You know, is it, mm-hmm. what is your personal reasons for doing this ne- or for making this next step rather than, you know, just kind of doing what you feel you should do? Mm. And I mean, should again air quotes. because yeah. Like, we, <laughs> why do we feel there's a an ex- Why why should there be an expectation mm. around the next step? Yeah. Mm.
1: Would a lot of people come in with with uh you know so kind of a separation in that expectation? Would that be a common thing? I I, w- I would wonder how many mm. people actually ask them. when I hear you say breaking down the questions, mm. asking the whys, the who's, or what's, or when. I wonder do people actually. Do that. I know that I didn't do that in the past with relationships, mm. you know, to analyse things to I'm a very emotive, emotional person. Yep. So and I'm very much in my emotions, especially mm. when I was in relationships, the good, the bad, everything in between. Mm. Um it's only now in my thirties where I sit back and when I have feelings of excitement or anxiety or whatever happens. I'm able to sit back and analyze the feeling mm. and say, Oh, I'm not too keen on that feeling. Why is that happening? <laughs> oh, this is why. Okay. I need to change that. You know, so I'm definitely on a, a very, a, I have the time. I have the luxury mm. to be self s- explorative. Is that the word Shane? Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: <right>. <laughs> My dictionary in the corner says yes. <laughs> um, but you know, Again, I I, I don't want you to go into like people's personal stories or anything like that, but I'm trying to give our listeners an idea of who is the character, who is the person who comes to you and what are the the sort of most common um, complaints or concerns Mm -hmm. or issues that they have. I'm hoping that you will give an example and
0: then our listeners will say that's exactly me mm. that's that's exactly what i'm going through yeah uh, at the moment ugh, let me think off the top of my head the majority of clients that i see are single and wanting to attract healthy intimate love mm. and are struggling to do so in, ter- in, in, in what I mean by the struggle is they feel as though they're repeating the same patterns over and over again. Yes. They feel quite stuck. Yes. So that's a very, very common core group of people that I would see. Then I would see another group of people who may be healing from heartbreak. So mm. they've been in a long term relationship. They may have been married. Any number of any relationship breakdown. And they are looking to heal to kind of make sense of why this relationship has failed. Third. Client group can be people who are in relationship and want to either enhance some aspect of it that's Mm -hmm. challenging or they want to clarify whether or not they're in a healthy relationship. That's a really common one. I I, I, I do a lot of messaging around um, healthy, unhealthy relationships because Mm. I feel quite strongly about the fact that we are very clear and very aware of when we're in healthy and very unhealthy slash toxic relationships. Mm.
1: Give me an example of
0: healthy relationship. And give me some examples of toxic. Mm. Well, I'll give you an example of toxic because I think once we have a look at what toxic is, we can then have a sense. Okay, so healthy would be, well, the absence of criticism, contempt, um, belittling, Mm -hmm. um, power plays, control, things Mm -hmm. like that. Whereas the toxic love, toxic relationship can have this quality of Oh, I am so addicted to this treatment. Even though if it was happening to a friend of mine, I I would I would advise them so differently.
1: Mm. Mm. That in itself is a big one, isn't it? You know, the advice you give others versus the advice you take for yourself. Absolutely, that's that's one I think. <laughs> Me, I'm like I'm guilty, guilty oh, of that. so guilty of mm. it. You know, um, and again, I think that's something that comes with age. Mm. You know, you kind of. You get a little bit, you just be, are you, I suppose it's that self-awareness again. Um, let's talk about, we'll say, I know we spoke on the phone about the sort of plague of the single mid-30s woman that is branded with, what's wrong with her? Like there's a sign that goes over my head, literally an arrow pointing, single, I'm 35, what is her issue? Um...
0: Oh gosh.
1: Let's talk about that because I believe that a massive part of that is obviously to do with like the societal conditioning that you know especially in Ireland people got married at very young ages had kids very young so we have that, but also we have the role of, we'll say, social media and the mm-hmm. pressures of like, you know, the happy couple. And it's on Instagram and the engagement ring and up, you know, up a, a clifftop and you're, you know, like someone is is getting engaged or there's like a fab wedding at a fabulous location with all the friends and everyone looks so happy. And it's kind of like, you know, not that people get married for that, but it does kind of attribute mm-hmm. to the feelings of um incompletion maybe Mm -hmm. to women that are and men that are single in their their 30s or their 40s -hmm. well yeah it's it's what tell me I'm normal is what I'm asking you are so normal oh my
0: goodness you are so normal you're not alone in this world Lydia there is like a whole bandwagon of women right behind you there yeah yeah. No, I understand it and I've lived it and I still live it to, yes. to some extent. You know, um, there is a stigma around being single past a certain age, for sure. Um, I'd love to. I always I always come to this point where I say I'd love to speak to men about this too. I don't believe they experience this in the same way, mm. but um, women certainly do. And this notion of the 2.4 children being the ideal yes. is, is problematic. That thinking is problematic as is the thinking that you have about yourself. Mm-hmm. So what narrative are we telling ourselves about yes. being single? That is hugely important. Yeah. Um so so we do have choices. I mean sometimes it may feel like we don't have choices if we are bombarded with images and chat about weddings and engagement rings and babies as if yeah. they are the, you know. That's it. That that is it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um but but yeah, the, sti- the 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 idea of 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 yeah there being a stigma, um, it's it is real. Uh, it does call it cause a lot of pain. I know we're laughing mm. about it now, but actually, in a serious level, it causes a lot of pain yes. for people. And if anyone is out there listening and they're carrying a belief that there is something wrong with them, uh, I wonder how that then has an impact on how they show up on a date yes. or how they're showing up in the world. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant breakdown of it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's,
1: mm-hmm. it goes back to, um you know, even the, the, the law of attraction or the secret, you know what I mean? And not just in relations, but you mm-hmm. know, y- you, you get what you give, you mm-hmm. know, you, you get back what you give out to the world. It's nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I know when I'm like a, having a bad day and I'm giving out and I'm negative, negative, that's what you receive off people. Mm-hmm. You know, I always know when I'm like, God damn, I'm labouring something and I'm rushing around and then you'll meet someone who bumps in off you. You know, there's always some kind of tension and you're like, God damn it. What, what's your way? You know, it's just it, it's a it's a really good way to break down and look at why things are happening. Mm-hmm. But let's talk um, about that. I, I know that um, when we spoke yesterday, you know, I was giving you a little breakdown of my situation and, you know, what we were going to speak about on the podcast. And we mentioned that I have somewhat turned into um, a sort of, I would not, definitely not a voice, but a, a safe space. My social media has turned into a safe space for women who are like me, that are in their 30s, that are young spirited, that are chasing careers, that mm. are, you know, finding passions and different things. And I get so many messages off them being like, thank you so much for being so open mm. about being single, being 35 not you know um not giving in to like filtered social media mm. and like you know um portray- portraying myself in any other way that's not who I am you know mm. I'm very honest and I like to be very transparent and you know I, I remember once I got this massive long message of this um really really lovely lady and she was just like thank you so much like I, I was doing like a Q and a thing on Instagram and I was answering questions about relationships and you know having a bit of a laugh about it and she was like I'm feel so down at the moment mm-hmm. that I haven't been in a relationship for two and a half years I can't get a date I'm really like I can't do the online dating thing and um, I just feel like I'm all I'm going to die alone basically mm. and I was like and then at the end of the message she was like you'll probably you probably never see this or you'll probably read it and not reply but she was like I promise I'm not crazy but uh I just really connected with what you were saying and I just had to let you know so I like that even then I took a couple of minutes and I just sent a big reply I was like I've been single five years I have an irrational fear of being in relationships again mm. because of what I experienced in my 20s mm. And how much I gave of myself mm. in those relationships. So I feel that I'm so, I love who I am now. Mm. And I love myself. I love my jobs. Mm. I love what I'm doing. I love the, the life I've created for myself. I'm terrified to let someone into that mm. in case I lose the run of myself, inverted mm. commas, or I give them too much power or control. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So it's like
1: either. I have a safe little bubble here that nobody can get into. Mm-hmm. And as long as I keep everyone away that could be a threat i'm safe mm. and that i attribute to not feeling safe as a child in some way mm-hmm. i don't know how i got there to think that but mm. that's what i just think that when i'm in relationships or when i was in the past they played on too much of my um vulnerabilities my negative traits they they Um, expanded Mm -hmm. all of the parts of me that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. So when I, my last relationship, I was, we were together for five years and, uh, you know, it was so toxic from both Mm -hmm. ends. I was a toxic person. He was a toxic person. And I never want to be that person again. Mm -hmm. I never want to be here. I know that she's in me. I -hmm. know that there is an ability to go back there, but I'm so scared that... Mm. I will enter into a relationship with someone and I won't be able to control
0: it. Yeah. And I love your vulnerability and your awareness. And what would you say, Lady, if it was the case that I could tell you that you are safe, that you um, would be able to manage things completely different, that the next relationship Mm. wouldn't be the same as your last? Mm -hmm. What would that relationship look like? If it was to be safe, if it was to be very different to your last relationship.
1: it I would be absolutely fantasizing it because it will be nothing like anything I've ever experienced before. Mm, you've That's, never, ever felt this before. So it feels like it's totally out of reach. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not even that it's out of reach. It's just, I will be creating my dream scenario. Mm, you it know?
0: feels like a dream.
1: It feels like a dream. Because it has never been reality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I've never met anyone that I felt could provide that in the relationship. But also, I don't give people an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Can I read out what my friend said? Because I knew we were going to talk about this. I told you I'm totally selfish. I'm using you as an opportunity to heal myself. (laughs) Really sorry to all our listeners here, but enjoy the ride. (laughs) Um, It's
0: really good because it's a really common... Uh, It's a really, really common pain point, you know, that I'm afraid because I've had an experience in the past that was so terrifying. I lost myself and I really don't want to repeat that. Yes,
1: that's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I've always been so open to love Mm -hmm. and like gotten into relationships, you know, and like was so free spirited and, Mm -hmm. you know, T- took the hurt when the hurt came, like it, ne- it never affected me getting into th- as much hurt as i experienced in the relationship it never stopped me getting into new ones i always had the hope and the
0: you know resiliency the, the,
1: yeah I, totally but then something when i when i turned 30 and i started going to therapy and i started really investigating myself and creating the person that mm. i wanted to be in the life that i wanted i realized it was I it was the first time in my life that I realized that I didn't need anyone else to be happy, mm-hmm. that I had the ability to make
0: myself happy. And oh, and that is that is a message that if only we could all really understand, yes. embody and live. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference is I've gone too far over the
1: other yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> right, let me put, this is my good friend, Amanda. Um, And uh, let me see uh let me see if I can find it I said um I said uh, I told her, I told them all in my group chat today that you were coming on and I was like you know we're going to ask questions but anyone wants to get any the questions out and uh, I said Amanda if I'm speaking about my relationship and where I am in my life how would you describe me if I had to, to let Annie know and she said um you continuously go for men who you know are bad for you and with whom it will inevitably fail so that the possibility of the relationship failing cannot be because of you. Mm. So I can't be blamed for it. That's because you fear rejection or perhaps being, be, or because of the break, uh, that's because you fear, a fear of rejection or you're being the cause of the breakup so that I will be mm. implicated for, for cause of the breakup. And you prefer to go in a safe failing style so that you can't be blamed something like that question mark <laughs> which is Great which is very 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 true mm. so again without divulging too much i would have the perfect guy mm. and when i say about being single for five years i'm definitely not short of people asking me out that's that's Ooh, definitely go you Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> There's hundreds of men, <laughs> hundreds that want my number. <laughs> oh, but I would have, we'll say, the perfect candidate. Mm. Career, great fun, good looking, really, really interested in me. Great conversationist, loads going from, you know, polite, all the boxes ticked. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, no, I don't know, I don't know. And then there will be someone who will be emotionally manipulative, mm. blackmail. Um, You know, that will be just a bit of a player, I suppose. Mm. And we kind of show interest in dribs and drabs. Mm. Show interest, take it away. Mm. Show interest, take it away. And it becomes like a game to me then. Mm. It's a challenge. Mm. Oh, right, we're playing this game. And I will just want to go towards the bad end Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and not be with this guy that's absolutely perfect. And that is literally like, I am crazy about you. Can I please take you out on a date? Mm. So... My friends are very... They do get frustrated, you know? Um, because what would Mr.
0: Perfect, who isn't perfect, by the way, because there is no not. perfect. No we perfect. Know that. Yeah, tens but, don't exist. <laughs> what What is the difference? Okay, so, so you're gravitating towards the familiar. We know that. Yeah. yeah. So then, Mr. Perfect, what is he offering that is somehow unfamiliar? Um...
1: Probably just like, uh, God, good question. Um, emotional availability is probably the biggest one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Someone that is saying, I see you as you are. Mm. I accept you as you are. Mm. I actually really like who you are. Mm. And I'd like you to be in my life. Mm. Terrifies me. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifies me. Yeah. The thought of that. Because? Straight up because I will—I f- fear that they will get to know me mm-hmm. and that I won't live up to their expectation of me. Mm-hmm. And that I in some way would have failed that mm-hmm. or failed them or failed myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's t- a total fabrication. And then what has happened in the past is I then live up to that negative um that that negative stereotype that I've told myself that I am, mm. I will
0: I will live that out and mm. I will destroy, I will sabotage the relationship. Okay. So kind of like a self sabotage. Completely. Yeah. So you'll believe you'll believe your own messaging around I am going to mess this up or I will yeah. unconsciously mess this up.
1: Yeah, or you're just not worth it. You're just not worth yeah. it. Yeah. And also fears of I suppose you're not good enough and they're eventually going to leave mm. because they will realize that you're not good enough or you're not as they have expected. Mm. And it's gotten worse since I've gotten a public image. Mm. Um, tried online dating, tried blind dates, tried you know going for groups of friends and the, not that my public image is huge but there's enough people who know I'm obviously attracted to a certain type mm. of people usually people that are into combat sports or mm-hmm. you know that kind of area so I'm recognised from that mm-hmm. and I would have you know say I tried dating and uh, or internet dating and someone would like screenshot my profile DM me it on Instagram and mm-hmm. be like what's a, what's a girl like you doing on Tinder or what's a girl like you doing on Bumble I'll take you out and they're probably not the most you know <laughs> lucrative <laughs> i'm sure they're lovely guys but you know it, it, that i it's like a, a sense of like you know that a vulnerability or like mm. someone seeing you, like into your house it's almost like having a house in the darkness and all the lights turned on and the blinds are open mm. so people can see directly in and for some reason it terrifies me mm. so i don't online date and i don't have a social life so th- we're going to get into the questions now and while we're talking, I'm taking up two of your time talking about me. But no, so- it's
0: really interesting because as you're sharing, there's yes. other people listening who can all have a very similar version of this story. You know, yes. I'm seeking the unavailable. The unavailable is familiar. It's safe because I don't have to show up. I don't have to be seen. Yes. So when I have to show up and I have to be seen, that terrifies me. Mm. But actually... It would be about gradually one step in front of the other that you you show up in in very gradual ways, Mm. you know, because and to realize for your nervous system to realize it's safe, it is okay. Yeah. But to obviously be doing that in such safe company, Mm. you know, so so when it comes to love, uh, a part that really is helpful to create safety in our nervous system is that we don't just go on heart feelings, mm. that we can also balance that with our heads, you know. So it's not that I, I'm completely in my head checking lists, but that I I, I feel, mm. but then I'm also able to assess whether or not, you know, based on everything I know about myself, yes, that, you know, this relationship might have a good Mm. Footing, just to start with, you know, would it feel yeah. safe enough just to start with? Because nobody knows where a relationship is going to go. But yes. for me to feel safe enough to start with, it has to be more than just I'm going to go with chemistry alone. Mm. So that's where the self-discovery, the understanding of my patterns, my, un- you know, my limiting beliefs can hold me back. And it's yeah. uncovering how to unlock those so, I mean, Amazing. I make it sound simple, but it is a process. Yes. Yeah. But it's really brave of you to share. And, and even this is really vulnerable. Mm. You know?
1: It's funny. I actually don't find speaking about it. Mm. I don't feel vulnerable speaking about it. I feel vulnerable in it. Mm. Does that make sense? And why does it feel vulnerable when you're in it?
0: What's, what's my, icky about
1: it? The word vulnerable alone gives me
0: the icks. I hate it. And even though you know that vulnerability is an essential ingredient for intimacy. Yeah. <laughs> the teacher yeah. in me is coming out yeah. there. I can hear her. I,
1: oh. I, I hate. I can be vulnerable with anybody. But in relationships, I find it very hard mm. to be vulnerable. Okay. Especially emotionally vulnerable. Because I feel that it's a sign of weakness. Or it's a, it's weakness on my part being oh, vulnerable. Yes. So I like to just be like, you know. It's a weakness. OK, yeah. so why
0: would it be a weakness? I feel that what it happens when you're vulnerable. Well, it doesn't happen that often that I
1: allow it to happen. But what would happen? What could potentially happen? Um, I suppose the fear is what could happen? That, that you, you're vulnerable in the moment and you're unsafe. It's unsafe. You're not protected. I have a massive thing with being protected and feeling safe. Mm. And it's like, you know, this bubble thing. If I'm in the bubble mm. and I've control of the bubble and I know who's in it. Mm. And and I, I I I have lots of friends mm. and I'm a very sociable person. But there's very few people that actually really know me mm-hmm. and that I feel okay with really speak in my mind or what's on my mind Mm -hmm.
0: there'd be very few people that I would trust with that Mm -hmm. um vulnerability yeah so trust is a huge factor in 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 being vulnerable and I think to remember with vulnerability is that we we do so gradually. We Mm. share a little and we assess, you know, does it feel safe here? Have I been shamed? Has there been a joke being made about me sharing in this way? So everything has to be done in really small bite-sized steps because Mm. otherwise our nervous system can, it it will really panic and want to shut down. And your bubble is your defences. So, you know, your bubble can be that, well, I mean, I'm not saying for you, but for anyone, it could be anything from, you know, overworking. It could be, Um, It could be drugs. It could be drink. Mm. It could be eat, you know, uh, bad eating habits. It could be any number of things. These are our, you know, coping mechanisms to Mm. deal with the risk that comes with having to reveal who we truly are. Because being vulnerable is ultimately um, showing our authentic selves. Mm. And that can be the most terrifying thing if in the past somewhere I did that and it was shamed or it wasn't respected and it wasn't treated in the way that it should have been. Yeah. And everyone deserves to have, you know, received love in a way that it f- that, that feels safe and mm. feels nourishing. But but for lots of different reasons, we, we we all don't have that experience. So therefore, our nervous system doesn't have that experience and immediately wants to do that. You know, fight, yeah. flight, freeze, fawn. It's one of those mm. responses. So um, then the bubble. Yeah, the bubble yeah. then is where you retreat to. Mm. Mm. That's very
1: interesting. I need to book in with you for yeah. a session. But I'm going to give somebody else an opportunity now because there are really good questions that have come in. But there was a question in, I'm, I'm not going to call out the, the names of people who sent them in, but um, they've asked, I'll say it was. A, it's a female, mm-hmm. and she's asked, um, how do you know when a relationship is over battling with the decision at the moment?
0: Hmm. It's really hard to to respond to that question because we don't know anything other than she's battling with a decision. So Mm -hmm. when you're battling with a decision and you're in this space of uncertainty, it can be really important to not go it alone and to seek the support of people professional help I think I say professional help because I think when it comes to uh, relying on friends we can rely on so many opinions of so many Mm. different people and we're left in a more confusing state again so I think it might be worthwhile for that person that lady to link in with a professional just to really try and have an objective opinion Mm -hmm. around what potentially she could do going forward.
1: Yeah, There is a, con- uh, maybe it could be a misconception um, or it could be factual, I don't know, that the first thing to go in a relationship would be maybe sex or like that sort of intimacy mm-hmm. that if that goes mm-hmm. after a long period of time, then there's sort of alarm bells. Mm-hmm.
0: Is, would that be, uh, I mean, would that be it, fair it, to say? It could be, but then if we're to look at you know a life change or a life stage yes. someone's had a child I mean sex are, it might be absent for a while and yet it can come back again Um, there could be uh, a bereavement someone might yeah. you know someone might be on medication loss of libido there's loads of different reasons why you know someone's yes. sexual desire might diminish and as a result um, sex might be off the table yeah. for a while but um I know it's interesting, some of the common myths that are out there and then for us to, do we believe them? Do Mm. we know enough information to be able to say, well, that's true or no, it's not. And I think if we can try and remember that every relationship is so very different that we co-create our relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting
1: because there is another question here. Um, It's from a female as well. Mm. And she said... um, I only see my boyfriend um, once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Um, He has started to put a lot of pressure on me that we're not having enough sex, Mm. but I'm just really tired from work and just not, inverted commas, in the mood. How do I go about communicating with him how I'm feeling without
0: hurting or offending him? Mm, That is such a brilliant question, because this idea of not being able to state how we feel without offending another person is a reason that so many people hold back from saying anything. Uh-huh. So then this this um, resentment can build. Uh, she has to be, well, she doesn't have to be anything, but I would suggest that she communicates those words as simply as she has to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Uh,
1: another that came in is, um, What are, I swear I didn't write this. (laughs) What are other alternatives to meeting someone other than
0: dating apps? Mm. At the moment, I guess this person is probably thinking, what are the alternatives? Because that's, I mean, this, this is an interesting one and always is. People sometimes forget that we are living in a world of other people Mm. all of the time. Yeah. So there is always an opportunity to speak to somebody, to smile. um, And I'm really hopeful that there might be more of that happening because we are limited in how Mm. we might, you know, how we can interact. Now, if people overly relied on bars and clubs to meet people, then there are maybe more, fewer opportunities. But Mm. really and truly, maybe there's just different opportunities. Do you know what I miss, Annie, is a time pre-
1: dating apps when mm. you would go out for a few pints on a Friday night and you'd be at the bar ordering a pint of Guinness and you turn to your right and there'd be some fella there, Can I buy you that pint? <laughs> yes mate, of course I can. You can buy me the second <laughs> as well if you want. <laughs> That's what I miss. Bring back that. I bring back that. Now, obviously, I was a raging alcoholic at the shop when this (laughs) is going on. I don't really drink anymore or go to bars. But I miss that and the braveness of youth, you know, where you were like, yeah, go on, buy me that point. No,
0: I don't mind. That's what I miss. But but I love that risk. You know, that risk that someone takes, like it's quite a brave act to, you know, Interrupt a stranger and and just make that suggestion. It's, yeah, it's, but it, but it's really admirable, isn't it? Yeah, same... Let's really encourage this, Lydia. Let's really encourage
1: this. To say Amanda, that gave the, the description about me. That my friends' group uh, were called the Council. That's what what the, 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 the yeah we called each other the Council. But um, when I, they had given me an exercise for my vulnerability, and they wanted me to go into a butcher's and ask for sweets. So that was knowing that I was going to get rejected and knowing that I, I, th- I was going to get like a, you know, like, have you got chocolate bars here? You know, he's like, this is a butcher's. It's not, we've no chocolate here, we've no sweets here. And then i am like, all oh, right, right, okay. And how do I do it? So they wanted me to put myself in situations where I was going to have to be vulnerable out of or I, I out of my comfort mm. zone. Exactly. But I do jujitsu, so that should be enough for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some communication tips for stonewalling? Ooh. yeah. We, C- can you give an explanation of what stonewalling is? Because I had to um, Google it earlier on because mm. I didn't
0: know. Stonewalling is that behavior where when somebody completely shuts down. So they mm. almost become like a stone. So they're, they're unhappy. So it's, it's quite a passive aggressive move. You know, mm. I'm unhappy about something. I'm not going to communicate directly with you why I'm unhappy. I'm just going to stonewall you, which is <sighs> I'm just going to blank you. Oh, I will be very gu- guilty of a stonewall. That would that old Lydia
1: would have been loved,
0: yeah. loved
1: a Stonewall.
0: Yeah, I have, I have that tendency too. Um, you have to catch yourself when you're in that though, and it can be really hard yeah. to break out of the Stonewalling. But is the question is is she in the sto- the Stonewaller or it is a female as well? Uh, she said some communication
1: tips for Stonewalling would be great. I would imagine oh, that she experiencing is experiencing it. it. Yeah, mm.
0: that's what I was read that from she is experiencing it it has to be addressed it has to be addressed it's a it's a it's um the relationship skill of directly communicating is the antidote mm. to stonewalling so this person that she's with may be quite avoidant um and they may not even respond very well to having you know conversation around this so it might be really important for her to mention uh, it's really difficult for me to bring this up with you because I'm I'm nervous about addressing this with you because I'm afraid that maybe you're going to blank me again. But I need you to know how hurtful it is. It's mm-hmm. really hurting me when you, um, you know, you kind of shut down and really describe your feelings instead of pointing the finger of blame. Describe how hurt you feel mm. when he or she turns their back on you. And how isolated you can feel because, you know, as as much as um, it's like a really bad habit to have kind of gotten into yourself, if you've ever experienced it in relationship with another person, it's equally really upsetting to be around somebody who is just not acknowledging your existence.
1: Yes, fantastic advice. Mm -hmm. Um, A male has sent this one in and said, what are the best tips to escape the friend zone?
0: Ooh. Best tips to escape friend zoning. Hmm. I think flirt. Mm-hmm. Flirt. Um and see how it's resp- how the person responds. Mm. You know
1: Flirting. Again, Flirting. An, an area I am not good at. Like literally, mm-hmm. I'm like, the girls will be like, just send send them a text back, like, you know, let them know that you're interested. And I'd be like, so good day. Question <laughs> mark is and they're like oh, she means actually out of this world um another male has asked in how do
0: you define a relationship oh well how do you define a relationship because that's really the important question yeah what is a relationship to you mm. very good
1: mm. um let me see okay one more before we before we wrap up we got a good one brilliant one From one of my best friends, but she'll remain nameless (laughs) because I don't want to implicate her. (laughs) Um, She would like to know, Annie, Um, I'm very curious about how many people that you encounter that fake orgasms. Mm. She said, um, in particular, women that have backed themselves into a corner by faking orgasms and now they can't stop.
0: Mm, That's really sad. It's very common. Uncommon. Very common, right? So, why why do these people feel the need to fake an orgasm? What is it mm-hmm. that they feel they need to communicate to their partner? And um, the sex, obviously, you know, this is the thing about about sex. It's it's so individual, and getting to know what turns the partner on is something that mm-hmm. should be the most you know natural thing in the world to discuss. Yeah, but yet isn't. Mm. Uh, so I think there's we need we need to break down this idea that um, everyone should just get it and be, you know, quote unquote, good at sex. Yeah. When you're in a relationship, you have to discover the secrets of the other person's body. So he, she, or they, whoever, like they're doing their partner a disservice, actually. Yeah. By faking mm-hmm. and. I know it's quite tricky, actually, if they've probably faked for a very long time, and now yeah. suddenly, you know, the same uh, tricks are being pulled out, and yeah. <laughs> they feel they feel they must, you know, respond in the same way. Yes. Um, yeah. Do they fess up and just say, yeah. "Okay, this is this is how it's been," and mm. I really want to have an honest conversation with you? And again, it's really hard for me to do this because I'm embarrassed. Yeah, if that's how the person feels. Um, but can we talk and maybe laugh about this? Because yeah, you know, like sex is messy and like yeah, like you know funny as well at times so why yes. do we, we all take it so seriously like we do i think uh,
1: maybe that has that has a lot to do with maybe the rise of porn the rise of expectation the rise of all these different things that
0: affect our movies probably is a massive one as yeah, well right and our history and Catholicism and yes. our you know lineage of keeping things secrets so and not talking yes. openly about subjects all of this has probably got a huge impact brilliant so yeah v- very very last question oh, can Go i just Say to that person yes. for anybody who's listening, um come as you are is a really good read for um, great name. Yeah. Yeah, Emily Nagy Goski pro- I have may have pronounced that. Is it C U
1: M? Come as you are? No, C O M E Come as you are. Mm. Well, she missed a trick on that one. <laughs> 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 uh, very, very last one. Um uh question, Lydia, can you please ask Annie um how to get a friend to realise Um, and get out of a manipulative relationship and
0: also Mm. as the friend, how do you act? Oh gosh, yeah, it's very tricky. I've been in this situation myself personally. Um, I've been honest and I've been as sensitive as I possibly could to just say, I'm not sure, I'm noticing that there's some things that happen here. They, They seem like they're a little bit unusual. Do you feel like, you feel comfortable when he or she or they Mm. do this yeah you're gently just trying to bring up the subject so that they can feel safe to talk to you it's really important not to turn your back on a friend who's in an Mm -hmm. unhealthy or toxic relationship because uh, so many other people may 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 end up doing that because they can't understand why somebody is staying in an unhealthy relationship yes but look up um dr ramani she speaks about the subject in a, in a really extensive way and look up the top uh, the term trauma bonding it really explains wow. why sometimes we can feel stuck and powerless mm. Mm. very good mm-hmm. Annie, thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure.
1: That was brilliant. I really, yeah, really enjoyed too, that. It's like too, too much.
0: Me too, Lily. That's great. <laughs>
1: it was really good. Thank you so much for educating us and sharing your knowledge. It's super. And um, before we go, where can people find out more about you and and um, get in touch? Yeah. Most
0: of, i uh, um, Where am I? Why am I getting so tongue-tied now? Yeah. You've just <laughs> asked me a very simple question. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find me at the relationshipcoach.ie. The .ie part's important because there's a few relationship coaches on Instagram and I am there quite a lot. And I answer a lot of um, questions that come in from people. And uh, my website is yeah, the relationshipcoach.ie and there's a contact form there for anybody who'd like to work with me. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: brilliant. Well, I encourage anyone that resonated with what you said today to get in touch if they feel they need to. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. That was so informative so and agree. great. Thank you for coming in. Uh, Annie Lavin, a.k.a. the Relationship Coach for The First Exchange. Have ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,